right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined as always by Hal, a.k.a. Halbertius, a.k.a. Jake. How goes it? Goes well. You're back in D.C. Hopefully yep. the audio is a little cleaner this time. Got back a little, normal setup Got here. a little bubbly last week. Just yep. a little bit. Yep, we're back to our normal setup. Actual professional microphone, not laptop speakers or or laptop microphone, whatever I was using last week. So hopefully a little bit uh, cleaner for your ears for everyone. So, uh, But catching up with the Pistons, uh, we had a couple games since we last spoke. We had two home games against the 76ers in Nets in back-to-back nights. Um, I was able to attend the 76ers game, and I'll be talking about that, I'm sure, more later. Uh, looking at the road ahead, we go out for three games on the road starting uh, Wednesday night in a big game against the Rockets. It is our one nationally televised game of the year. Let's go. Of course, ESPN uh, going on the Cade versus Jalen Green uh, showdown there. So uh, that'll be Wednesday night, and then they play back-to-back at Cleveland and then Toronto um, on the road Friday, Saturday, before coming back against the Kings on Monday. And do you know what's unique about that stretch? I do not know what's unique about that stretch now. And and this so this is a really fun wrinkle, and I don't know if this has ever happened before. That's the number one pick going on the road to face the number two pick, two, then three, the number four. three pick, then the number four pick. <laughs> as, soon is, as, you, as soon as you, as soon as number one pick, I'm like, oh, I know where this goes. <laughs> right, that's a, it's a that's a pretty interesting uh, dynamic there. Yeah, it should be an interesting stretch. Rockets have kind of been not great. Cavs have been really good this year. Um, and then the Raptors just got Siakam back, so they could be a tough matchup as well. So I, I was going to save this for the end, but like, holy shit, Evan Mobley, I was so goddamn right, and I am going to take all my I told you so's right now. Just, yeah. he's awesome. And everyone's like, wow, why didn't we see this coming? And it's like, I don't know. I was telling you. We were all telling you. We yeah, all said been- he was this good. <laughs> He's been astounding on both ends of the floor. And props to the Cavs because I was positive they were going to find a way to fuck this up. But phenomenal pick by them. And they have a cornerstone for once. He's, he's been so good that that Evan Mobley plus uh, Jared Allen like, doesn't mm-hmm. feel wrong. Which is just wild to say out loud. But like they've made that work just fine. Yeah. With two people who don't exactly spread the floor, Mobley will shoot threes, but I don't think he's he's not there yet. But I don't know what his percentage is. I know he like hit two of four in like a game this week, which is pretty fun. And the but... crazier thing, I honestly think, is that they're also <laughs> combining you know Mobley and Jared Allen, who are two very big players to begin with, and then they have freaking Laurie Markkinen as their like small forward. Yeah, that that <laughs> it's is like, math what is that happening? simply does not work. That is adding two plus two plus two and getting seventeen. And I don't, I don't like it's not even close. I don't understand how that's functioning. To me, like looking at their team, it like and the individual parts combined together to me don't make any sense. What do you think? Mobley, Jared Allen, Laurie Markkinen is out of position but playing well, and then they have. Garland and Sexton as the two guards who both like want the ball, and I'm still not sure how that's working out. You, you know what they have it, is they have the so 2K weird. roster you get when you're like halfway through rebuilding your team, and you've just accepted every trade that'll get you like assets you don't care about, and you're like, yeah, I'll take like six starting level guards that aren't actually like stars. You know, sure, I'll mm-hmm. I'll figure out what to do with that guy later. I'll yeah, I'll let the AI play through a season with two centers. Why not? And then you know. The rest of us are like, yeah, we'll trade it away, and you know, nobody plays the trade deadline. We'll play, we'll trade it away in, in June yeah. for something we like, and like, no, it's uh, it's just how the Cavs are working, and it's weird, and it's uncomfortable at times, but it's working. And Evan Mobley looks great, and I'm just gonna bask in that because I love him very much. Yeah, I'm very curious what because I feel like there's more trades for them to have later this year, so I'm very curious to see where the roster ends up. Well, the, the brutal. The thing for them is that sexton just tore his meniscus i don't know if you saw that oh i didn't see that no but so that's year four for him so that's a contract year for sexton at least i think it's year four for him yeah Um, it is you know so a contract year for a guy that's had a really weird value around the league and he he probably is out for most of the year so that sucks that's a that's a big loss for the team and a, a bigger loss i think for sexton 
Well, yeah, while we're on good, yeah. uh, uh, Jake being right, though, Franz uh, Wagner being the best player on the Magic, I'm just going to take a lap here <laughs> because uh, it feels good to, to just, you know, have told everybody that he's that good and he's that good. Just, I mean, you know. say, saying the best player on the Magic is not exactly a... It's not a high bar at the moment. I will say that. but No, but he murdered all of the Timberwolves by himself. And that's yeah, great. he murdered three Timberwolves <laughs> on that dunk. It was like... <laughs> you don't expect the white guy to be doing that. And I mean, in the uh, in the Pistons Magic game, he was one of the best players too. I mean, I was, the yeah, whole he game, I was like, that Yeah, game. there's Franz doing cool things. I'm tri- like when I clip games, I try not to clip too much for the opposition. Because like, I'm not clipping highlights. That's not the, the point. But I'm just like, here's a Franz play. I... I like that Franz play. Try not to clip it. Don't tweet it in the game thread. People are gonna get mad. But there's a Franz play. Oh, there's another Franz play. I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy for him. Yeah, I thought he had a great night against the Pistons, and that was really where it's like, okay, I, I finally get it now. I, we'll see where he's at long term, but he looked it, like a it very turns good out NBA that player. NBA spacing makes a big difference for all of these players. <laughs> It's like I mean, Evan Mobley. The... What what is he when he plays in a you know crowded uh, USC team that has poor offensive spacing? We don't know. What is he in the NBA? Oh, really? Fucking great. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even put it on spacing in terms of the NBA because look at the rosters around them in Orlando and Cleveland. I wouldn't say they're amazing spacing teams. It's just the uh, the NBA game versus the college game. It's two completely even different games. Bad NBA spacing is still better than college spacing because you can't play zone defense well yes well i'm not not gonna you can play zone but like you can't sit in the lane so just like it just Mm -hmm. like evan mobley no defender ever had to take a step away from evan mobley ever they just sat on it the whole game you know it's a lot easier for people to take charges on franz wagner in the in the uh college game where now he gets to attack the lane a lot more frequently so all right, it's probably time to talk thing. about the Pistons. All right, sounds good. Do you have any more uh, notes before we hop right in? So Saban Lee drops a 40 bomb in uh, the G League. 42, <laughs> oh, I believe he ended up with. Did you see that? I did not see that. God damn. Yeah, uh, the first the, ever game the for, the, uh, for the Cruise. And, uh, oh, the Cruise. God goes, damn it. <laughs> I got the wrong verb. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they go down there and they uh, they go... Over there, I guess, not down really. It's just yeah, like not really. next door. It's kind of up, but honestly, but uh, um, they uh, they go over there and he dropped, I think, forty two. Hit a couple threes. It was one of those things where, like, the G League simply has no rim protection. Like, if you're if mm-hmm. you're a decent rim protector, you're in the NBA. Um, and so they have no rim protection. The on ball defense just isn't quite there. And it was like, oh, right, Saban's the best athlete on the floor by, like, a country mile, and you're all just getting roasted. Uh, yeah. It'll be His interesting game to see, like, what see. he does. Like, he, I think if he wants to put up 30 a night, like, if that was the goal for him in the G League, he probably could. Like, that's the kind of advantage he has. So it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, learns to be a passer, etc. Because, like, Jordan Bone was dominant in the G League, and he just didn't have the same qualities in the NBA, so... Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, if you, you can know. go. I mean, you can go back to Kalen Lucas. You can go up and down the list of, you know, well, point guards, especially to go to the G League and Kalen, just dominate. When Kalen Lucas dropped forty in front of us, he was like thirty-eight at the time. <laughs> it's a little different. I don't think he was thirty-eight. He might have been. He was definitely early thirties and kind of. I don't think he's that old. Honestly, he, I think he, he might have. Pre, he predates my my basketball fandom. His time at MSU. So, like, I have no frame of reference. I have no yeah. idea what draft he would have been in, etc. It feels like forever ago. He is currently 32. Okay. I apologize. That was like three years ago. So, I apo- yeah, it was like late 20s. That was two years ago? So he yeah, would, it's he more than two. But still. That was easily 2018, I think, that we saw him. So, yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, I don't know where we we're going at this point. So, so Sabin drops 40. Uh, Killian hurt his thumb is probably the other news. He missed the... Uh, mm-hmm. Was it the Nets, the Nets game, game he would have missed? Yeah. Um, he did play the end of the game he hurt his thumb in, which would have been the Philly game. Yep. Um, he did play out the the last four minutes of that or so with the thumb. I don't. It's not broken, so like I, I guess it's just a sprain. He's been practicing. Uh, hopefully the the long. I think we've had five days before the Wednesday game, so hopefully that long break gives him a chance to play. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. 
he was shooting and stuff so I, I in practice so i'm assuming it's more of just a fear of contact and stuff like that than it is um you know like a functional issue hopefully it doesn't interrupt his shot um yeah because he was starting to look a little comfortable uh shooting the ball against the 76 ers so hopefully that you know doesn't cause a problem so we, uh, we can kind of move in i guess to the to the the games and the things we've seen and uh things we want to see that are, are standard three things segment that's the that's the phrase i was looking for uh yep. there it uh, is the, the dumbest name in podcast history should not have slipped the tongue so heavily uh who could forget the name like that right so so let's just go right into there uh killian hayes has been the pistons second best spot up shooter yep yeah um <laughs> I, I don't know where else to like go with this at this point. Like we're we're going this the Rockets game will be game ten, and the Pistons mm-hmm. are just the worst spot up shooting team imaginable. Thirtieth yep. and three point percentage. Still, we talked about that last week. Um, they're getting them up. <laughs> they're getting them up. They're fifteenth in attempts. Like they're not they're not shy. But uh, I just I just had it pulled up. Where is it? Uh, Killian Hayes is currently shooting 36.4% on spot-up threes, or spot-up shots in general, which includes some two-point shots. Uh, For an effective field goal percentage of 54.5%, Jeremy Grant has an EFG of 54.9%, and everyone else is below 50. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up was, at what point do we actually start getting worried about the Pistons shooting the basketball, especially a lot of these younger guys you look at like Sadiq Bay. You look at even Jeremy Grant. Obviously, Cade hasn't really had much time in the NBA. I'm going to give him a pretty good pass on it. <laughs> like, he's in game, what, four? So, I believe four, yeah. Some shooting struggles are to be expected uh, this early in his career. Especially but, coming off the ankle injury. It's yeah. still wild that he's like three for 30 or whatever he is right now. It's, I mean... Uh, and the thing the about Cade, especially, <laughs> especially seeing Cade in person... Every every shot is so smooth, and he's one of those players where he shoots it, and just looking at him, you're like, it's going in. I don't, and then he'll to- miss by I like don't a. Totally agree. Like there's the so, Cade's shot right is is interesting, in that he has made serious mechanical tweaks to it, for the last like three years in a row, and they've all been tweaks that are, um, how do I put it? It's not like LeBron and his free throws, where like LeBron would just shoot a completely different free throw routine yep. every year for like six years in a row. Like they've all been a very linear progression, you know. Like um, the the big thing going into college was he completely rebuilt like the shooting pocket motion, so he has a much cleaner and like straighter release, and now his upper body looks a lot better than it used to, um, but. I do know that like one of the things they were trying to do is like raise his release point and stuff and, and lift it a bit. And that just so happens to be a thing that gets a lot harder when you're on a bum ankle. Right? It's yep. it's it's uh you're you're asking you're how do I put it? You are you are balancing like the power generation a bit more towards the legs when you lift your release point like that. because um, you're trying not to fling it with the arm as much. Um so, like, it just so happens that the thing they probably worked on this summer is something that probably makes it harder to shoot off a bum ankle, which is annoying, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, and and again, um, he's he's rebuilt his shot multiple times, and, like, he's often looked bad shooting, coming off the shot. So, it's not a shocker that he's struggling. It's kind of shocking that, like, none of these are rimming in. Like, mm-hmm. he hasn't had any, like, oopsie makes. Like, uh... Uh, Stewart's first three this year, uh, maybe it was in preseason that he did this, but uh, like his first one was like he banked in a three, and it was like that it was is a terrible yeah. looking three, but he banked it in, and like Kate hasn't even had that. He had like the half court heave, and he's made like two really good looking ones, and then the rest like keep rimming out on him, and it's like come on, karma. Yeah. What? Yeah. How is how? Can, I mean, he should have just lucked into being like a twenty six percent three point shooter. I mean, Killian Hayes lucked into being like a twenty-six percent three-point shooter last year, so I, it's it's a weird one, but it doesn't surprise yeah, me that he's slumping a bit. Like but the the strength of slump is weird. The rest of the team, I don't fucking understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Jackson has just like completely lost the process of his shot 
Like you can, anytime you see Frank Jackson set up for a shot, like watch to see where his feet are. If they're like significantly wider than his shoulders, that shit is bricking off the side of the backboard. And he keeps doing that. He, he, he's setting up for a shot. Like he's going to do like barbell squats. It's wild. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's just like, it's a random thing. Sadiq Bay has also been a guy who's tweaked his shot. He's raised his um, release point a little bit. So I think that's partly to do with why he's struggled. But, uh, and my God, Jeremy, I don't understand anything about Jeremy. Jeremy has at times looked terrified to shoot and at other times looked fine. And then he looks terrified to shoot again. And he had a really good game, I think, against the Sixers where he was like, I think he, I want to say he was like 15 or 17, something like that. And then he went 0 for 9 against the Nets. Yeah, well, actually, that was my my next point, or one of my you know three things is the duality of Jeremy Grant, where in the 76ers game you talked about, he you, you're remembering it partially correctly. He came out on fucking fire, and he was just hitting like like I'm on fire threes in the first half, and he yeah. came out in the second half and he could not hit the side of a barn. I think he. I think the first half he was like 9 for 11. The second half he was like 1 for 10 or something like that. Like it was like just two completely different things. And then, like you said, he kept yeah, it up he against the up Nets. 11 for 22. Yeah, and he did not make a single shot against the Nets from the floor. No. <laughs> he finished with five points in like 40 minutes. That's not good. Especially against a team like the Nets that while they have, you know, a Kevin Durant who's going to make his day hard, not a great defensive team. Like, <laughs> if we can't score against the Nets, that's problems. <laughs> I mean, that was a six-point loss, and and if Jeremy makes, like, his normal efficiency, that's a three-point win. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, how it least. works. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more of that, about that game in particular later, but yeah, just I thought a it was weird shooting night. Well, I th- uh, and we can talk about, I think the Philly game is the more interesting one, um, you know, where that first quarter... Um, that first half burst, right, really seemed mm-hmm. to come off a lot of very natural movement coming off the Cade and Killian actions where he wasn't the number one, like, ball handler, right? He was getting a lot of shots, but they were all shots within the flow of an offense. He wasn't self-generating that stuff, and he looked great. And it's like, right, this is what Jeremy Grant is when he's not, you know, being asked to be a star, right? This is what Jeremy Grant actually would be if you were to trade him to a contender, you know, if you were to send him somewhere else, I'd be like, oh, right, he's the third option. He's coming off pin downs, getting clean looks. You know, he's isolating off movement where guys aren't in the lane. You know, and like suddenly Jeremy Grant becomes a much more interesting player when you don't see him trying to handcraft everything. And then you go to the Nets game and it felt like he was trying to isolate Kevin Durant repeatedly and it just looked terrible. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is, <laughs> you know, we have all the evidence in the world that like Jeremy's, you know, he's a lot better. Um, than the player we saw in Denver. Like, he's a lot better than what we thought we were getting. But, mm-hmm. like, he's not Kevin Durant. Yeah. And we need to stop he's letting be- him play like Kevin Durant. We need to stop asking him to play like Kevin You know, I don't know how much of that is is his, you know, taking initiative to try and do stuff and how much is uh, Dwayne Casey. But, like... I mean, I think it all falls back on Casey and that. Like, even regardless if it's, you know, Jeremy Grant time, trying to take the initiative, if he's, you know having all these shots and having all these possessions where it's just not going in the basket that good that goes back to Casey and you know directing him and making sure to play within the offense and that's one of the things that always it, it really frustrates me well, about I mean, these you, Pistons you teams. Could, you could have a player who just like is like fuck you coach I'm gonna get my shots up like I mean that's the thing that can happen I don't think Jeremy's that kind of player. I don't though. I don't think Jeremy's like, that kind of player. That's not what I think no, is happening but, here. I'm, I'm not saying like I'm not saying Jeremy's like, being selfish in it I just think that it's something where, you know, Casey could be directing him better and telling him, you know, stay in the offense a little bit more, which I think the Pistons team does have problems with, just staying in the offense and, you know, doing some action and not just breaking off into an isolation, which I think has yes. really been a downfall a lot of these times with the Pistons team in the half court. So so that, that we can slide into one of my things here is uh, Cade has in four games doubled up Killian Hayes in terms of pick and roll possessions. And like dominated the uh, the team for pick and roll touches. He's getting six uh, pick and roll possessions a game as a ball handler, and Killian I think is at like three point four. Um, so like, a 
can we see Killian Hayes get six pick and roll ball handling possessions? But B, uh, the results haven't been there. I, I don't think actually his efficiency. I don't think I had that pulled up a second here. Uh, I still do good. Um, yeah, he, Cade's actually in the eighth percentile somehow for pick and roll <laughs> ball handling, uh, wow. which is like his own scoring. You know, it's not the team scoring. It's his own scoring as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, I wish I, I think the synergy stats will tell you the team's uh, percentage, but uh, like it's it's been immediately clear that Casey is willing to trust him as a pick and roll ball handler more than he has trusted anyone else uh, basically since he's been here. I, I mean, I don't even think he gave Reggie Jackson those kind of touches. And like Cade also is just very clearly knows what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. You know, making the right passes and etc. Like we saw in the Nets game, you know, repeatedly they were just like, "Yeah, Cade, just go do stuff," and like go yep. go make something. And I think they've actually, you know, when they decide to run a pick and roll offense, I really like what they run. Um, yep, agreed, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think they're the they've run a bunch of Spain pick and roll stuff, where. Um, which which really helps, uh, really helps Isaiah Stewart because, mm-hmm. um, and for people who don't know, Spain pick and roll means that somebody else, a third party, screens the roller on their way to the rim. So you run a pick and roll, and uh, quite often this is either Jeremy or Sadiq screens uh, Isaiah Stewart's man and then pops to the three point line while Isaiah Stewart rolls to the rim. And what this does is it means that Isaiah Stewart usually has a much cleaner role, which lets him actually like go collect lobs and stuff because he actually can get a step and, and generate some power. Or it means you've got a wide open popper and the reads are like really clean for the ball handler. Um, Killian Hayes has looked, I think, by far at his best when they run the Spain stuff. Uh, I think Cade's looked great running the Spain stuff. And they've got some nice, um, like, like pre actions, like preemptive stuff um, to just kind of like set their Spain floor balance correctly. And I think that looks great. And then they, they run that for like two plays and then they go back to the DHO offense and we get a fucking Jeremy Grant, eight dribble possession. It's like, Mm -hmm. why we're so close. We get just glimpses of it. Glimpses of what could be. (laughs) the, The whole point of this is that we should be like, we should be getting like 12 Killian Hayes possessions like this and like 12 more Cade possessions like this every single night so that they get these reps. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the thing is, it's what? like, go ahead. Both, both of those two, Cade and Killian, that is their strength. Their strength is attacking the basket with the ball in their hands and a pick and roll. That is every time we see it, every time we say they look great, it's usually off like a pick and roll action. And that's, what's just so frustrating is you see it there. And then we go into the dribble handoff. And then we go to like a Jeremy Grant isolation, and it's like, ah, I just want more. I want that. I want that nearly every time down the court. I want those two with the ball in their hands, just attacking people. And, right. Well, and it's it's mm. it's like, again, just because you run those plays doesn't mean that those guys are calling their own number, right? You mm-hmm. know, if, if the if the the leverage opportunity that comes out of that is that you kick it to Jeremy Grant in the corner, and Jeremy suddenly is like able to attack a closeout, it's better for Jeremy too. Right. Yep. You run that stuff. It doesn't work, but you've got you know uh, a switch, and when you flow into your DHO, you know with seven seconds on the clock, the option is better. Right. It's just like th- the basic stuff we're running looks a lot better if you run it after these guys create an advantage and pick and roll, which is what you drafted them to do. Just do it. Exactly. It's so easy. We're so that's why close. We, that's why you spend the draft capital on people that can, you know, handle the ball like that. And ah, it, it part of me is like, <laughs> I think part of the reason I'm always looking to find like the perfect Jeremy Grant trade is just so it really forces Casey to run the entire offense through Cade Cunningham through Killian Hayes, and kind of takes a little bit of a crutch away uh, from having such an efficient score in Jeremy Grant when he's obviously playing up to his levels. I, I keep so. trying to make Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons happen. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, you went because too far. Could, could you? Come on. A, 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 a Killian Hayes, uh, Ben Simmons pick and roll with Cade Cunningham as like the Spain screener. Just like, 
would be perfect. And you just have, like, uh, I don't know, Sadiq and I don't even know who the other person would be in this. Trey Lyles. I don't know. Fuck it. Who cares? Put him in the corners. <laughs> and, like, it just works for me so much. Uh, I, I want that so badly. I I like Jeremy Grant. I just, it's, it's I don't know. Good. I don't know if it's a Jeremy Grant thing that's my problem with, you know, what we've got, or if it's a, a Dwayne Casey thing. I mean, obviously, I lean towards it being a Dwayne Casey thing, but uh, I definitely think that there's been some stuff with Jeremy where it's like, man, you're just not, you're not doing it. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, you've been handed... Uh, how do I put? I I don't want to be like you've been handed the money to be this guy because that's not how I want to think about it. But like you you were given the the number one spot, right? Like you were given that responsibility. You do need to fulfill it. And like mm-hmm. right now, you're taking number one guy shots, <laughs> but you're not taking number one guy passing opportunities. You're not taking you know you're not doing the other stuff. So you're taking the number one guy touches with a number three guys mentality. And like, that just isn't doing it for me. And it's, it's uh, you know, like you said earlier, some of it's Casey has to be better about, you know, directing this. And some of it is Jeremy and some of it's just your bad team and shit's going to happen. I mean, I, I understand that part as well. That's, you just can't overlook <laughs> the fact that, you know, uh, if, if the bad team looked good, it wouldn't be a bad team. There's, there's yeah. definitely some it's definitely some part of, of it. Um, I will I will say to get on a quick tangent. Uh, one of the things that with Jeremy, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, there's a lot of times that I'm looking to be like, what what could we what could we get for Jeremy? And the one that I'm currently enamored with, you said Ben Simmons. One that I really hope is that the Suns go through a bit of a struggle, and they already have said they're not gonna they already can't resign DeAndre Ayton uh, right now. He's going to be like. They've they've already missed the period to resign him uh, to the max, and they have a notoriously cheap owner. I'm I'm wondering and racist, notoriously and racist cheap, as well. and racist and misogynistic. Don't forget uh, those can, things. That's a whole separate thing. But part of me wonders if at the trade deadline, you said like Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, maybe a first round pick like in the future for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, no. no? No, uh, no, hey, I think that's an overpay. I, I mean, yeah, it. I mean, uh, take the first I, one I, pick I out mean, if that's the case. But uh, so, so, a one, they don't do that because they don't. Uh, I don't think the Suns do it unless a, they really they need a, unless they, they need really a better center, out. right? Like they need if you're trading Aiton, it's for a center that can compete. I mean, Aiton was huge for them last year. But B, I mean, you think of Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Mikel Bridges, Jeremy Grant. Okay. You're thinking about the wrong center. There's another team that wears yellow. It's in our conference. The wears yellow in our conference. Right? He's thinking. Where's yellow in our conference? The Miles Turner? There you go. You, I mean, those those two are basically a straight swap contract wise. They're about the, a straight swap, I think, in terms of role and responsibility level and what they should have. Miles Turner is like a defensive player of the year caliber center. Like he's an elite defensive center. He hits pop threes just enough to make him respectable. He's a you know legitimate athlete. If you told me that I had to pay Miles Turner $20 million, I don't know what he's I don't know what his, you know, uh contract situation is. I haven't actually looked at that in terms of years and stuff. He's got um, another year left after this for the record. Okay. Is it right I think it's he's at 17 now. And a half. So like yep. if I were to if I were to trade him and extend him to twenty five a year, and just like have Miles mm-hmm. Turner for the next three to five years, and that gives me uh, that lets me put Stu as my backup, and you know if Stu's shot comes around and they can play together, great. If they don't, then I've got an elite backup. I've got the jumpy jump guy that can you know run pick and rolls. I've got a guy who can pick and pop. I've got a good defensive anchor. Like that's the guy where if I were to trade. Uh, for for a center and obviously like they're trying to figure out the Sabonis thing i'd just be like hey hey i got i got this jeremy grant guy and like maybe we throw in some sweeteners you know you trade me a thing and i trade you a thing and we work this out you know like all i mean (laughs) i love i love miles turner i think he's been horribly miscast 
um, on that Pacers team, and I think he's like a trade away just being an absolute monster, kind of the way uh, Capella got traded. Not He was kind of a monster beforehand, but when he got to the Hawks team and just took the Hawks up another level. So I do like Miles Turner, and one of the sneaky things is he's only 25 right now, which I didn't yeah. realize. I, yeah, he, he, I, I assumed it, he was just as old as Jeremy. So. He, he is basically like the center version of Jeremy Grant to me. Yeah. Like, like they're they're basically in the same age, the same contract situation, or a very similar contract situation, and like I think he's a guy that's going to have a little bit of a breakout when he gets a slightly different role, and I think he's also a guy who's just like not fit to be anything other than your, you know, maybe your third best player, and I think the Pistons are in a place to give him, you know, that third best player position and just kind of cement it in and. I will uh, say... I, th- I think Jeremy Grant would... Because the Pacers need a wing that isn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Desperately. Yeah, I think... I think Jeremy, just for me, has a little bit more value than Miles Turner. Uh, but I could definitely see a trade where it's... A Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart for Miles Turner and wing X. You know, whatever... Because they have, have a to bunch Isaiah of wings. Stewart there. I don't think you have to, but I think it would be something that would make a lot of sense when you're getting a miles. I mean, they do have a lot of centers as well. They have a weird team where they have a bunch I, of like they're, they're really whole decent point players. Is they're trying to clear the the ranks. So you're giving them the wing, and maybe you take on some money or something and send back Josh Jackson or something, you know, something to just balance the skills a little bit or Hami or something like that. To, but I, don't, I think they I think I, have a million wings right now. I like don't they have, think either team necessarily should feel that obligated to like add any sweeteners to that deal not necessarily no like, but i do works, think it works i would like a little trade bit machine more personally in isolation you you could it just does. do it a, a straight up and if they said hey we want two second rounders like sure fine if they say hey we want isaiah stewart i'd tell you to fuck the fuck off because it's not happening i just like, think i think I just, we shouldn't be giving up sweeteners in that i think jeremy grant is what he is a little bit... I mean, maybe, like I said, I think it's a lot just Miles Turner being miscast in that team. And I'm still... Like, everyone loves Sabonis. In terms of building a team, obviously Sabonis is a higher ceiling. I think Turner is the better piece to kind of fit around someone else. I don't think you can... I don't think you can truly win playoff games with Sabonis as your best player, which is a no. whole another take. whole another no, story. Ever since he stopped being a three-point shooter, I agree with you. Like, as soon as that experiment stopped being a thing, I was like, all right, that's too bad. He, Sabonis, I think, is perfect for the Pacers because he is a very good player that has a cap ceiling. And he will get them to the playoffs, and they will lose in the first round or maybe go to the second round. And he's perfect for the Pacers in that mindset. So, all right, we've gotten way the fuck off track. Yes, we have. Um, that's fine. Um, did you have anything else in your three things? I wanted to give, uh, so I have two things. First off, uh, I do want to give a little bit of shout out to the Pistons for <laughs> bringing the Nets down to playing bad basketball. Um, in the second quarter of the Nets game. Pistons they, best player, James Harden. Yeah, I know. He, another another thing I had was he just, what was going on for like, I've never seen like a player four different players in that game. Degree. <laughs> it like, was I've just, seen I've seen Andre Drummond in the poutiest of Andre Drummond moods, and I've never seen Andre Drummond just not look at a loose ball and give up a layup or a dunk like that. Like, with that, that one, it was, was wild. I want to put that one as a pouty. It was just more of like he's like, oh, it's over and back. He just and just <laughs> he just he checked out on that possession. He just, just right, like I all right, said, like I'm done with it. He <laughs> yeah. he quit on that game yeah. so badly. That he didn't even like care. Like he that happened and he just like looked around and was like, Oh shit. <laughs> that's, probably could. that's gonna be on Sports Center and I was like, Yeah, because you're you're quitting and like I've you know, I have been uh how do I put this? I've been critical of many things in James Harden, but like I've generally been like James Harden's a really good player and he has been abysmal this he year. He is a really good player who I mean part of it this year he's just he just can't shoot, and I think the foul thing has definitely gotten to his head. And we'll see. I'm sure he'll you know get out of it down the stretch, but I think it's a lot of he's just mailing well, it in he, a little he bit. Doesn't have and he can in the regular season at all. He doesn't have any lift to him, any juice. He's coming off a hamstring injury, so like it's understood. I think the foul thing is a little bit of an issue. Uh, I also think, frankly, he's gotten a really bum whistle 
on multiple occasions because refs don't want to be the ref that gave James Harden a foul during the new rules. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I mean, he had a couple plays in that game where he was just like, oh, you know what, I don't feel like dribbling anymore. And they just whipped a, like a cross-court pass that got picked <laughs> off. And I was like, dude, you're like an MVP. Like, what are you doing? Like, the yep. one thing I know is that even in at, like, your laziest, you are basically an unstrippable ball handler. Like, that's your whole thing. Like, just go, like, run a DHO. Like, give the ball up safely. If you want to go stand in the corner, fine. Kevin Durant will ISO and, like, shoot 70% doing that because he's As you saw at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, but, like, what? Like, there was, like, four plays where he was just, like, you know what? Not feeling it. And just, like, whipped, like, an overhead pass to the far corner. And it, like, I think all four of them got picked off. It was just like, what are you doing, James? Why? I mean, that's why I don't think... Everyone wants to talk about the Nets being the title favorites, and I could not disagree. I can't disagree more. I don't think, I don't see them winning the title. I would take the Bucks in the series over them right now. If Kyrie I, comes I back, they might it. have enough talent to overcome it. But I see yeah. it. If James Harden plays himself into shape, and like if he's if he is like the James Harden that he was healthy last year, like that is a huge different make difference maker mm-hmm. for them. And if they do have Kyrie, even more so. Even without Kyrie, that James Harden was, you know, playing some of the best basketball of his life. He wasn't actually playing the foul game last year. I think he was down to like seven or eight free throws a game, you know, which is like five less than his previous uh, number. Um, You know, like he was just playing really good basketball last year. And then he had the hamstring injury and, you know, the Nets nearly beat the Bucs. They were a a Kevin Durant toe. Yeah, they really should have won that. Like, that was with Harden playing at, like, 30% capacity, and they still got this close. So I I wouldn't go so far to say, like, I think they're a better team this year if they can just get him, you know, healthy-ish. I don't know. I think without Kyrie, I don't think that team has enough juice to get there. Even if, even with KD playing the way KD's playing, even with Harden, you know, getting locked in, getting zoned in, which he will, I still just don't. I just don't think they have enough around them, like... Like, your star bench guys are, like, LaMarcus Aldridge. Patty Mills has been great. Like, Paul Millsap. Like, it's just, it just I mean, feels like those old Heat teams. But I don't think we're the same I level of talent. I think, A, they got to find, like, an actual rim protector at the deadline. Like, yeah. an actual center. I guess, I yeah, that is one thing. That's we, too hard. we got to see what happens at the deadline. we got to see what, you know, free agents they bring in. You know, like, it's it was kind of weird that they, like, overpaid DeAndre Jordan so much because, like, they still kind of need him, but... Um, that whole thing was weird. I'm still not quite... <laughs> everything with DeAndre Jordan doesn't make sense. Like, they just need, like, a rotational-level guy at that... of that type to, like, solve that hole. But, like, otherwise, Bruce Brown and Patty Mills are, like, just two really nice pieces. And, like, uh, um, you know, Blake Griffin does a lot of good stuff for you. He has a lot of holes in his game, but he'll do a lot of good stuff for you. Um, Paul Millsap was a huge pickup. Like Paul Millsap is really good at basketball at a lot he of is. things that make you a winning basketball player. Um, I, I like the nets. They just, James Harden has to be James Harden and not like weird. What? I don't even have like a comparison for what he was doing. Uh, it's, it's wild. Mailing him. He was getting ready to go see the Detroit nightlife. <laughs> it's 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 like J.R. Smith inhabited Stanley Johnson's body and then like got fat, and that's what we ended up. Like I don't understand anything about it. Um, Anyways, but what what, what I wanted to have? say, what I wanted to say with that was, despite you know obviously Harden not having the game of his life, in the second quarter the Pistons held them to three for twenty from the field. A team that has Kevin Durant, has James Harden, was getting spot minutes from Blake Griffin. Marcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, like holding them for three for twenty is amazing. That's all I gotta say on that. <laughs> Anytime you can hold in, this Pistons team is really good defensively, and they've been doing that trapping thing, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So that was the one point. The other point I had was just talking about the general uh, experience going to the uh, 76ers game. So ah. first off, I gotta talk about uh, the arena itself, which. I've been going to, obviously, Pistons games for years. I've recently gone to a lot of Wizards games. I've been to a bunch of different NBA arenas. But the way the Pistons arena feels, while not being, like, the level, like, a SoFi stadium or some of the new NFL stadiums where it's just, like, 
this is on another like it's like a different planet is where this this stadium is like it's arena that very much feels like a basketball arena but it feels like just the top end of what you know a basketball arena should be the way i would kind of describe it is like you're going to go pick up like like uh i got a buddy who just got a brand new ford escape and it very much feels like that where it's nothing amazing nothing astounding but everything in it is really nice and it just works i love the way the upper deck has like the nice atrium above it and kind of the open air feel in it. All the shops feel nice and new. It just looks nice, and I'm happy that the Pistons are there, despite obviously having a very soft spot for the Palace. Uh, next up, the courts, because we get to see the 313 courts. Right. Very cool. Very much like that. Cool branding. You were there, you, were there, you, got, the, well, you got the blue court, right? Not the, I not the, blue the court, new yeah. red uniform one, yeah. Yep. And then last thing I did want to touch on those red uniforms that we had against the Nets. I thought they did look very good, like, on people, like, being able to see it on TV. I yeah. especially liked kind of the white outline, so I thought that was a nice touch that could have been, you know, forgotten. And I think on some of the uniforms looks a little weird, especially those, like, gray uniforms we've had and kind of the light blue uniforms where it's like you can't quite tell who's what, like, what the name says in the back, what the number is. So kudos mm-hmm. to the Pistons on kind of getting the little things right in a way that they haven't always done in the past, so. Those are my quick takes, quick notes, my three things um, from going to the game. Yeah, I uh, I haven't been to a game since the Pistons Twitter meetup game in like was a game two of the Bucks series. You know, just between COVID and living on the other yeah. side of the state. No, that was game three of the Bucks series, right? Because it would have been two at home, two at their place, and then two at our place. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so it would have been game three of that series uh, two or three years ago. Three, yeah, because it was a Blake Griffin uh, uh, <laughs> miraculously playing game. Right. So uh, it's been a while for me. It's just hard to get to games. Uh, and at the time, I spent basically no time in that stadium <laughs> or in that <laughs> arena. Like it, it was like, go there. Uh, be there for the like the Johnny Kane TV segment, and then immediately like run to my seat, sitting like four seats down from Laz Jackson for that game, uh, in like the corner next to the HVAC piping. Uh, <laughs> it actually wasn't like a terrible seat. Like I actually had a really good view of the court, but I was literally the highest row in one of the rows that like only has four seats because there's a giant pipe cutting through the row. So like I have You're not the top had of the, the uh, I've not exactly had the best. Um, I I don't want to say a bad experience, but like I haven't I, I haven't had a chance. Uh, I haven't given LCA a chance to show me its best side. Maybe that's the fairest way to to put it. I'm you trying know? to think. This is my I think fifth game at LCA, and I have yeah, seen you've it been from much all... more than me. Despite I always like living go. in a different state. <laughs> Whenever I come back to Michigan, I try and make an excuse to kind of go to just about everything. So, uh, I think I've seen just about every single... I've, I've sat the top behind the basket. I've sat the top in the corner. I've sat lower level in the corner. I've sat... Uh, this game I went to was lower level, like, row one directly behind the basket. Which nice. was an interesting view. It was very cool being, like, obviously that close to the players. Uh, like, the guy I went with, Elliot, was just having a... He was, like... Just gloss, like getting glossed over being that close to like Doc Rivers and you know and Bead and all these players, so uh, it was definitely a really cool experience. Sounds like Elliot, yeah. <laughs> the pregame, I don't know if you saw it, but we were they had like the pregame coverage with uh, Greg and uh, I am was that the Blaha. one where it was down at like bar level like, when they were doing the yeah. pregame down there? Yeah. It's bar level, we were like looking straight down on it. Like we were that's, like within that's, shouting that's the distance one where of they it. Ca- they caught a guy on TV and it, there was like two guys right behind the broadcast just like leaning over looking at the court and they were just like <laughs> they were in the they were doing the uh, the no jersey or the no shirt jersey look and just like oh. on TV and one guy like looked and realized he was on TV and was like damn this is not my best self <laughs> this was not the <laughs> look just, I wanted to go for he just had that moment where he was like oof right yeah. I'm on TV looking a little flabby-armed today, today, which, by the way, is not an insult on the guy. Jerseys are just not flattering to anyone who's not an elite athlete. Yeah, especially NBA jerseys. So- soccer kits 
great. Just a t-shirt. NFL jerseys. Uh, I'm not sure why you're wearing them. They're just kind of bulky. Hockey jerseys. Bulky, jerseys but in bulky. a good, comfy nightshirt way. Uh, basketball jerseys. I think actually the best people to wear basketball jerseys are fat people. They just like <laughs> fill it out. You know, you've you've seen the guy who's just like, who's just like 230 pounds at like five foot ten. He's got the beer gut. I was about to say 230. Just, you might need to be a bit more specific. You're not going to be he, calling he, me he fat just, over here. He just you know just kind of fills the whole thing. Right, a short guy with a good solid. He got every chest. ounce of that fabric. Right, right. Who just. And it's like, you know what? That's not how that jersey was designed to work, but you're making it work. And when I put on a basketball jersey, it just kind of floats and the arm you know, the, the armholes like come down to the bottom of my rib cage and it doesn't make any sense. It's just not great. Stop buying your jerseys from China. <laughs> that should not be the case. Jersey is is fits me all right. The uh but it's also like the cut of the jersey because like I have a, a Chauncey Billups jersey and a Derrick Rose jersey from when Derrick like first left Chicago, um, and mm-hmm. they like sold all his jerseys for like five dollars, and I that jersey sales. is an official jersey in the same size as my uh, Billups jersey, but like it's a bag, <laughs> just yep. like the style of that jersey makes it just like an absolute bag. So I've got a couple jerseys coming. Uh, I got last year's uh, Motor City jersey, and this year's, I don't remember which one I got from this year, but I have a Cade and a Killian jersey coming, so we'll see yep, I got, how, how they fit. I think, I think I'm going to do Cade for Christmas. I've been waiting to purchase this jersey, but I might might have it as like a, since I never have anything for people to buy me, so I, <laughs> I might just I be don't like, buy a lot give of me a Cade jersey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy a lot of basketball jerseys, so I'm kind of in a thing where... Uh, so 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 I've got I've got a theory, right? And the theory, theory is that okay. anytime people do like a jersey for the first time, it's almost always better the second time. Right? So even like the Miami Vice jerseys, all right? Oh okay. Miami okay. Vice okay. comes out going. with their jersey they come out with the Vice jerseys and we're like, That's a dope jersey. And the second year I wanna say they did it like it was like the white ones instead of the black ones. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? That's better. Right, like you, you tweaked it and you found the right one, and so I'm kind of looking at these new red jerseys, and and I'm like, you know what, they're fine. I've got some things I'd tweak. Maybe I just wait till next year when they re-release them, but like they get, you know, they they stop doing teal and they just do white instead of teal because that's probably what it should be, and then it'll be like, you know what, that's a better jersey. I'll get that one. See, I just don't like getting the alternate jerseys too often. Like a lot of them are no. a little too off the wall. No, I, so buy I, a, I buy a bunch of Arsenal jerseys just because I buy them from China, and they're $12, and I just use yeah. them as T-shirts. So why would I not? Uh, as you're currently doing. Yes. I, I don't think we've had a podcast in like two years where I haven't been wearing an Arsenal jersey. <laughs> You've had occasional like, other jerseys on, but yes. Uh, yeah, a soccer jersey. Every now and then the Sampdoria jersey comes out. The uh, I think last week, actually, technically, it was the, I think I was wearing the IX3 Little Birds jersey, which is just mm-hmm. stunning. What a jersey. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't buy a lot of basketball jerseys because, again, they, they tend to make people look weird. They're not they're not flattering to a lot of people. See, see you but, come for the Detroit Pistons content. You stay for the soccer jersey analysis. That's why you're really here. Venezia. That's that's the analysis. Ah. Just go buy all the mm. Venezia kits mm. you can mm. possibly. No, that is perfection in a kit. I had, I had somebody be like, you know, I think it's just the model who was wearing it. You know, very pretty woman was like modeling the jersey on like the front of like one of the Venice boats. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's the jersey's doing plenty of work in this photo. Trust me. I mean, wrong. I'm sure. I'm sure the model, the location is doing all great, but the jersey let's, is. Let's, what, let's just uh, not let's top. not beat around the bush. That jersey is doing a lot of work there. That's a yes. beautiful kit. Oh, oh, okay. Those are gonna be our pro clubs kits all year. I'm not. Yes. I'm not changing them. They're just gonna be Venezia jerseys. Finally. Um, all right. Did we have anything else we wanted to cover? I think I had just about everything. Um, just scrolling through my notes here. One little thing. Uh, we've seen a decent amount of Cade by himself running pick and roll stuff. I would like to see Killian by himself running the pick yep. and roll stuff. We, like, we talked about that for a bit. Uh, yeah. We mentioned it, but like Kojo has been shit. Yeah. And... Um, tank com- that's tank commander yes. lieutenant first class 
Yeah, yeah, he might be a three-star general. Um, <laughs> like, at this point, there's no reason, with Cade and Killian both being nominal point guards, there's no reason to be playing Kojo, like, 25 minutes a night. Like, we can cut him down to, like, 12. You clearly and have not seen Dwayne Casey coach basketball. <laughs> I have seen way too much of it. But, like, there's, I just don't see a reason anymore not to, like, Killian and Cade should be playing, like, 18 minutes a night together, and both of them should be getting, like, a six-minute stint plus, you know, by themselves. You know, a good, like, the third quarter, to me, could just be, like, Cade plus the bench running pick-and-roll stuff, and then, you know, the the last, the second half was just, like, Killian and the, and the other starters running pick-and-roll stuff, and then they, you get back together in the fourth quarter and run whatever was best. Like, yep. I, I just, I do... I, I very much have enjoyed seeing them together. Um, I think they, they've made a really fun pairing. Uh, I think we heard a lot of people be like, I'm not sure if they're going to work together. And it's like, did you watch either of the two <laughs> games they played anything? together? Because they were clearly the best pairing on the floor while they were together. Um, but also, uh, I would just like to continue seeing them running the pick and roll stuff. Not just see them apart, but see them running the pick and roll stuff while they are apart. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because, again, when we saw Cade do it by himself and just kind of lead a pick-and-roll offense, that was really good, and uh, I want to see more of it. Agreed, 100%. All right, he's he's on his phone now. I think he's checking out. Uh, Sorry, so we'll I have to <laughs> We'll have to catch everybody uh, next week. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you all later. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Good night, y'all. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.